Good evening, everybody. Meg Swanick here. I am joined by the one and only Max Bretos, the voice of LAFC, announcer for MLS Season Pass on Apple TV+. Plus. He is also a YouTuber podcaster at The Soccer OG. Max, how are you? That was very thorough, Meg. Thank you for that excellent introduction. Yes, but, thank uh, you. Thank you, you for stay, joining. As you know, we got to stay really busy uh, these days. So no idle hands when covering the, the beautiful game. Yes, busy, busy times and diving right into the many things I want to talk to you about. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the big CONCACAF Champions League game between LAFC and Philly happening tomorrow evening on your turf this time around. First one, a very on-brand draw between Philly and LA in leg one. It ended 1-1. LA has a slight advantage now due to away goals. But these games are never 0-0 and tend to have multiple goals in them. Max, from LA's perspective here, what do you need to see from the hosts for them to get it done? I would. Uh, I think they've had in the last few games, they certainly played better, I think, in February, March. The good thing about LAFC, they haven't, they haven't had a bad game. They haven't had a game where you go, that's, which most MLS teams do, uh, if not a couple <laughs> or more. Uh, but LAFC has been an outlier historically for teams like that. But I think the Philadelphia game, they have to be thinking they could be playing a whole lot better. Uh, and then they also have to feel pretty fortunate they were able to get that away goal in stoppage time uh, because the away goal looms so large. I mean, to not have an away goal here when uh, and then you leave yourself in a situation where Philadelphia could benefit one, they're, they're going to be happy with that. But I think they know they could play uh, a, a whole lot better. They've got to play pretty clean because there was a couple of mistakes there where they allowed Philadelphia to, to make a breakthrough and get it on goal. They've got to limit those. There was that one-on-one with Mikael Ua, which was a great save by John McCarthy. I think the mistakes, they have to be really tidy. Cause as we know, the union are their MO is making, taking advantage of other teams, mistakes and the way they play, especially as a visitor. I always, I always I actually saw Steve Trundolo at training day as a visitor. They're, so much more dangerous because they can make you do things that you would normally not do at home based on the way they play. Yeah, they definitely look to punish you. They pride themselves on being tough to play against. That's kind of the MO of the team. And as much as it hurts for Kellen Acosta, of all people in particular, you know, you get so used to wanting Kellen Acosta to do well with the national team. And then you're at the club level and he's the one in stoppage time ruining the affair but as much as that hurts you know I think potentially Philly will play well kind of going for it right right out of the gate I mean they can't sit back they have to just go for it and I think they could play how are well people, how are people feeling about it in Philadelphia because I mean it's I think it's such an interesting perspective because of these two clubs and what they went through last November yeah. and you know I always tell the folks at LAFC you go can you imagine what's going through the mind of Philadelphia and now this the, the how much they a want to win this and how much a bitter pill that was to swallow back in November. But I think because of it, these two teams are connected as a way. And I, I always think about that, about how are, how the, how is the perspective in Philly? So I think that a lot of fans are very disappointed. And I think the team was really disappointed, pissed off actually too, after the game. I know that they were. I mean, I think that they played in a way that deserved a better result than that last minute slip up at the end. You know, if you look at the stats from the game, it looks like a very even game, but I felt like Philly had the advantage at least early on in the game. And whereas LA seems to have not put a foot wrong really so far in, in the MLS season, I believe they haven't been defeated yet. They're, they're the only team left that hasn't 
been defeated in the regular season. Philly's kind of struggling at the start of their season. So they really wanted that win. They wanted not just the revenge, but they kind of want to make a point and get that confidence of, you know, making it to the final. So I think there's a lot of disappointment. I think people are definitely concerned heading to LA, but I think there's also a feeling that they definitely can get it done, but yeah. it's, it's going to be tough. And exercise some demons for those two results. I mean, that's the thing that makes, because Philadelphia is so good in there. Uh, obviously, they haven't had a great start to MLS season, but they are still in the, along with LIC, the top two teams clearly in this league. And they don't have, because of that, they don't have a lot of bad days. So I imagine a good day is due. So we'll see. I mean, it's a, it's an intriguing yeah. in so many ways. I think it can go in so many directions, although it may end up in the exact same place, which is a tie. But the, the, with the away goal, that the score of that tie will determine who goes through. Yeah, exactly. So I think it'll, I think it'll be interesting. I would love for Philly to get the win. I think that if this, you know, organic rivalry that's formed ends in too many LA wins, we could be looking <laughs> at, you know, I don't know if, how much of the NBA you watch, but the Sixers are playing the Celtics tonight. And Joel Embiid famously a few years ago was asked if that's a rivalry. And he said, no, they always kick our ass. And I think if this goes in LA's direction too many times, we might not want to be talking about the rivalry necessarily. So. As infrequently as they play. I mean, this is this could be the last big matchup they have for a while. So it's going Fair. to sit. It's it's going to be sit with the loser uh, for for some time. Yeah, here here's hoping. Regardless of who does win, do you feel confident that either LA or Philly can can win the next phase, the final against that, you know, Liga Amekis team? I do. And I, I, I'm curious to see what the what the sports books say, because I think whoever wins on this side is going to be the favorite based on what we've seen in these tournaments. Uh, you know, Philadelphia has been and, and LAFC have been clinical LAFC to the point where, you know, really both semi the round of 16, even though got a little bit close in the second leg with Alajuelense, but certainly against Vancouver, it was over after the first game. And they put themselves in a good position by not losing against Philadelphia, but they've shown that they're a really good tournament team as has Philadelphia. They had to play it a little differently. They had to grind a bit in that first round. And then by, you know, Atlas is a <laughs> Atlas is on the level of Tigres and Leon and, and Philadelphia. I mean, they, it was a close to get through, but I always felt that they were the better team over those two legs. So uh, this is uh this is important for the league. I mean, it's, we want to, if you can win it once like the Sounders did, but if you can win it twice, it becomes a trend. And all of a sudden, the perception of League MX being better can change quickly uh, based on this tournament alone, because this is the, the biggest litmus test. We'll have the League's Cup as well, but this is the big litmus test to see uh, where these leagues are. I think it also helps that it's not the strongest group of League MX teams on the other side. I mean, Leon and Tigres are very good, but Tigres hasn't been great the last few years. And I think they're sixth and seventh in the league. And uh, whereas right now, you know, America and Chivas are the best teams in Mexico. You can't really say that about the teams that are left in the CCL. You can say that about the teams that are in the CCL representing MLS. I think that LA and, and Philly being good tournament teams is in part a testament to the two managers they have, both, I think, among the better American managers, certainly in MLS. First question for you is how would you, from your up-close perspective, describe his style as a manager in terms of personal attributes and strengths and tactically, how does he approach the game? He's, um, I don't want to sound too cliche about this, but he, he kind of really gets into the ear and he is one of the guys, he's not... I guess your traditional coach that you might very different than how Bob Bradley was, for instance. Uh, but he, he um, 
I think he he has really honest conversations. And I'm not saying other coaches don't do it, but in a, in a certain way, almost like from that player's perspective, he uh, he makes tough decisions, I think, uh, and does them in the right way. It's very inclusive because the, the way I could describe it, you know, there's some players that don't play as much as they may have, but you don't see them upset or they kind of know they're all a part of a big picture. They know there's a rotation in central defense and the fullbacks to a lesser degree on the midfield with uh, Tillman and Sifu, those kind of guys go back and forth. And now with more attacking options, I mean, he's going to have an honest conversation about where you are. He, uh, and in the big picture of this club, why it's such an, you know, it, it's an honor and a thrill to, to participate in this team. And the, regardless of how much you play, you're, you're going to be part of a winning team and you're going to be part of a club that's playing important games. And I think also with LAC having some morning, more games that, allows that to soften the blow. But I mean, I would say everyone wants to start this game on Tuesday. Some guys may not, but he has kind of built that in. Uh, and, and, you know, even with, you know, pulling Carlos Vela in the first leg, you could see Carlos wasn't happy, but these are the things he goes, well, that's the way, this is how we're doing it. The players have faith in him. Uh, they, and, and I think it's, uh, it's pretty mutual, but it, it would seem it's a, it's a good, it's a good uh, coach to play under, but they get it. The players know this is a big opportunity and they've built up LAFC through the the coaching and the practices and and so forth to know that this is um, you're here because you're really good and that's why you're playing with such a great coach under uh, Steve Chirondolo. But it's it's different. It's very different than what I've accustomed to. It's he's such an easy guy to be around. You almost forget he's the coach. You know sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I get that feeling. You know, briefly just being in the post match with him from what was it Wednesday night, Tuesday yeah. night, Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, yeah Wednesday. So Michele Giannone um, reported via Twitter like an hour ago, I don't know if you saw this, that Chirondolo said he has not been approached for the head coaching position for the national team, nor does he expect to be. Does that surprise you that he's not been contacted or that he could potentially not even be being considered? He's not in the mix at all? Well, he should be considered. I don't think he would want to go, not yet. I would. I, I think it'd be crazy to think that he wouldn't want to consider that position and I saw someone throw out wouldn't it be great if they had Steve Trinolo as the coach and John Thorrington as the sporting director for the national team and I kind of nodded yeah it's it's you have a an example where it is it's worked you know it's the same kind of uh, attributes you always have to be a good coach but you have to be a good scout you have to be um, good at developing players and those are things that both those guys have done uh, a ton here with LAFC, but uh, he's happy here. I think he, he wants to get some tenure and, you know, he's a San Diego guy and being close there and, you know, working hard to get all the licenses. And then before that being a player and, and getting there, I think he, he, he values a being close to his extended family and his nuclear family. They're very close. Uh, they're, he, they're, they're together all the time. And uh, it's a good lifestyle to be, but I think he, he's serious about doing that. And, uh, in many ways, you would like to think that at some point the LAFC job could be held as in same esteem or better uh, than a national team job. And he he really, I mean, for all the, the things that you hear about coaches uh, wanting, you know, access to their players all the time, he does that. And uh, he, is, he, he is, I think, more of a, a natural fit on the, the club coaching, working for LAFC. I hope he stays there as long as he can. But I think... <laughs> It'd be a it'd be crazy for the national team not to approach him because of his position as a player and his success as a coach, but also because um, he's just 
he's ahead of the curve. He's this guy that's he's he's you know a handful of American coaches, which I would include Jim Curtin and Jesse Marsh, that are kind of going above and beyond and have great international contacts as well. LAFC in part due to Trundolo most recently, but you've seen recent success, um, especially you know beating Philadelphia tragically last year in the championship. But how would you attribute the success of? A, you know, a younger club, let's say, in MLS doing so well out of the gate. Not everyone has been able to pull that off. They've, I think they did it all with the right intentions, even going back to developing a supporter culture. They knew it would take time and they embedded everything with the academy as well to where they, they could do it. I mean, they, they, they hit, you know, they hit things on the nail. And we know in MLS, if you go get a DP or someone of that uh, level, that uh, you could, um, that you could be find a ton of success as they did with Carlos Vela, or it could handcuff your club for the foreseeable future. And they've done well with that. But they've always, I mean, they had a plan and I, I, I don't know if other clubs have done it. They have a great ownership group, which allows them to be a little more adventurous with things and, you know, be able to go after a Gareth Bale or go after a high profile young European player, like they did with Stipe Buke. Uh, I mean, they, feel that they, they're competing on the global stage with the big names and that the LAFC has a lot of clout and carries weight uh, and eventually will be for players as a destination, which we've seen that in some small areas, but they wanted to build that brand and it's, it's, it's delivering, but I, you need all those resources because we know a lot of clubs do not have maybe what LAFC does. Now LAFC doesn't want to be out there spending willy nilly or taking big risks or so forth, but if they're calculated and they make sense, then they will, We'll go after that if it's all part of this incredible plan that they set up with uh, at every level, which they continue to expand with uh, LAFC2 as well and and these academies and, and trying to find good players in Southern California, which will come as well. But they, you know, the Bayern Munich relationship that came out last week, this is that they're they're not standing pat. They want to they can they can make these relationships because the other parties are interested in it because it's LAFC. So uh it's still amazing that it all fell into place and you know finding success like they did with MLS Cup makes a big difference if that MLS trophy wasn't here who knows how this season looks it wouldn't be to the level it is uh but they put themselves in that position but it's just the way they 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 handle their business the way they develop relationships uh scout the planet and to do it in i mean they they've been good with all their the players pretty much to le- different levels uh clearly the scouting's good. You don't get Denny Buanga because available, but he comes in here and he's lights out. And so many other guys have to other degrees of success have done that. Um, they just have a lot of know-how. It's a it's a lot of everything. And uh, it's a great club to cover. You mentioned Carlos Vela and you know, bringing in big names, but bringing in the right ones, I think importantly. It reminds me, so last Wednesday night after the game, I, along with a few of the other journalists there, we were waiting uh, in the mix zone for the players from both teams to come out, you know, ask some questions. And a sizable crowd of LAFC fans, it was actually a mix of fans. Some of them didn't have anything to indicate which team they might have been cheering for congregated kind of by the mix zone and were waiting for Carlos Vela specifically to come out. And they were, you know, chanting his name at one point eventually. And they waited a long time. Eventually he comes out. He's one of the last LAFC players to come out. He they're they're screaming for him, chanting his name. He seemed or wanted to seem as though he couldn't, he couldn't hear them. So that he, he didn't come over, but you know, they're all singing. Chiellini comes out shortly after they start yelling for him. He does go over and he proceeds to take a selfie with every single fan in the crowd. Um, but this kind of stuck in my head because 
you know, the union, we've had our, you know, big players and and, and big difference makers now and, and before, but we've never been a club to have a Carlos Vela. You know, we've never had that star power player in on the team. So I'm, we're not as used to that, or I'm not as used to that, the crowd waiting for the one player to come out. How important is that to to LAFC's brand or how important is that to MLS's brand having the star power names? Well, I, I think what's important, Meg, is that other clubs kind of have that identity. I love what Philadelphia has done. Yeah, they don't have those star power guys, but um, kind of like, uh, you know, there's there's clubs in Europe to do it. I mean, Napoli, we have say they have stars now, but when the season started, they didn't and they just had a team that's successful. And now we're, we're attributing star power to those guys like Ossie Man and Cavara, but uh, Philadelphia is just uh, you can connect the stars that they, you know, like Brendan Aronson, who is a star, and that's a guy, Mark McKenzie, who is a star that they actually had to park ways with, uh, Austin Trusty to a lesser degree. And they have just been uh, the plan that they have used is just really, it's different. But there's room for that. There's room for different plans to be successful. But I think you need, for lack of a better word, the, the sexy teams with that you get, ex, you know, that a neutral could be excited for. I mean, just when you're training, you see Carlos Vela last year, Chiellini or Gareth Bale or, or uh, the list goes on and uh, Christian Teo that um, that kind of gets the heart racing a bit. And I think there's some clubs. It's not it's not for every club. You know, Philadelphia does it differently. and Do it a nice way. Real Salt Lake does it a different way. But uh, I think there is benefit to to having some of those teams uh, as this league now enters this new era with its new broadcast partner. You want to get people to be excited for. I I think it'd still be Philadelphia, but um, you know maybe there's some other clubs with a better profile to do it. You know, Inter Miami. You imagine they get messy, but we want we need that in this league. We need people to say, oh, what am I watch? Oh, that game because I want to see those players play, or that game because that team is. undefeated so far this season uh you just want that reaction when you look at a schedule the same way when we look at a premier league schedule you know and it's like oh i gotta watch that i gotta watch some of that uh for whatever reason so um the there are enough good clubs to kind of get started but we need a little bit more or a lot more i agree with you i love the identity philly has built and it's not been around that but who's to say that daniel gazdag five years from now isn't a star exactly grown in, in Philly or or uh, a McGlynn I mean these are guys fair, that five enough. years from now we're going he is got 20 caps he's playing in a world cup uh I, even uh, it's Quinn Sullivan but his younger brother what's it who's now Kevin Sullivan come on yeah these guys I've got you, people you, messaging you, me from Leeds asking me about his <laughs> prospects to go play for Leeds United already yeah Philadelphia it's like I I, I I shudder to think what this league would be like without the contributions of Philadelphia. And from top to bottom, from Jim, Jim is one of the best dudes in this league. Uh, and yeah, definitely. just the, the identity they've created. And I, 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 I love it. And there's no, there's no accident that some of these guys have been approached maybe by the national team um, for different positions because they've done it well. And uh, uh, I'm glad these two clubs are there and I'm glad they're meeting in important games. Likewise, you spoke about the new broadcast partner. I'm glad you brought that up. You are have been a part of this inaugural year with Apple TV+. Plus. Seems like you're on the road, seeing different stadiums, seeing different teams as part of that. What are some highlights so far of this new era in, in the Max Bretos journey with MLS? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, It took a while to get used to it. I'm with Brian Dunseth. And it's a lot of fun because you go there and then you meet up with the Spanish broadcast team. So you're like a little group of four kind of wandering <laughs> these cities 
but we've done mostly West Coast uh, destinations. So uh, a couple in LA, Salt Lake, Colorado, Portland, Seattle, and then Dallas. I got to go to Chicago this weekend, which was great. I actually went to, uh, I hadn't been there in like hey, 10 years. I mean, I was there for a, a music festival about <laughs> six years ago, but I haven't been there covering it in less than 10 years. And I went to the, I went to Gibson's. I know it's kind of the touristy thing, but I went there and I I, I recognized the bartender. And I kind of smiled and he goes, Hey, Max. And I haven't talked to this guy in 10 years. And I was like, Oh, amazing. Yeah. And then we started talking football and the guy next to me was, was in, he's Greek and he was going to Milwaukee to watch the Bucks play because of Giannis. But then they got knocked out. So he went back to Chicago and he works in Germany and he's talking about being in Munich. And we started talking, having a Bayern conversation. And then it was, it just was like this, it spread so quickly. And then I just, it was just a great Chicago moment. It's a wonderful city. It is. Uh, but uh, just seeing some of the stadiums and chance meetings for coaches and players that you haven't spoken to in a while. It's such a warm league. Everyone kind of gets it. You know, what you, if you, worked in this league in some capacity you're part of this extended family and you know i've had a lot of embraces um i got to i saw kai kamara last week and i go oh, man i'm really excited to do your call and he goes all right and he scored a goal and i called him old man kai kamara he's like <laughs> have a compliment he goes he texts me he goes old man question mark <laughs> it's just it's just that's i'm enjoying it I, I look forward to seeing new venues i got to see the i got to call a game at the columbus stadium for the first time it's fantastic it is yeah. a lot of good stuff in this league and uh, it, it, I, it, you stop and kind of take tabs because it didn't used to be like this. You know, it's, it's, it, there, there's some slow growth, but there's some very quick growth in the stadiums and, uh, the branding of the clubs. So I, I've really enjoyed that. When you think big picture, I mean, obviously we're early days in the, you know, decade long Apple TV plus project. Uh, what do you think are the biggest shifts in how the league is being covered with this new deal? I think, uh, I think it's going to take some some time. I initially because everything happened so quickly. They the the the, you know priority one is getting these games on the air, and I anticipate. I don't know, but I anticipate that it's going to expand. You know, I mean, I know the the one criticism I think is everyone says all the games are on Saturday, so we don't get this. People are saying I've seen less MLS. You know, maybe they'll alleviate that. I know that for sure. You know, Apple TV is going to find ways to get people to talk about the league, you know, the same way, you know, when I worked at ESPN and, you know, they talk about the games of NFL are all on Sunday and a game on Monday, and then they talk about it all week and they build it up. So, you know, I think they're going to find ways to do that. And we know this league, you know, is not consumed like others. And it, it, it takes, you know, a few eureka moments for it, for it ever to get, uh, you know, massly watched, but there's, there's enough bright spots along the way, but Apple uh, is could be a huge asset in that. And being the technological giant that it is, you know, maybe there are ways to present the game differently um, to give it a better look uh, with the aid of Apple, you know, maybe I mean, I already, you know, just being able to, I have to pinch myself that you can pick your phone and watch every game at the touch of a button. I think the international aspect where anyone in the world can watch these games, that's still going to be tough because I, if you're watching this in Europe, it's two in the morning. But I think, you know, in Latin America, it's possible that there'll be some significant growth, uh, incredible Spanish language talent on the games that people know. Uh, I, you know, I, there's the League's Cup, you know, although they have different partners, but, you know, with the excitement and the connections with League MX, I think Mexico could see a big growth. 
with MLS. And then with all the players here from Colombia and Ecuador and Uruguay, Argentina, Brazil, uh, that could be the next. And I think uh, obviously you want the growth here in the United States and it will happen, but um, Apple's a good partner to have it to where it can find these cool new breakthroughs. I'm really excited to be here. I've told this to people. I don't think there's a, if I was offered, I could broadcast for any league. I would probably pick this one because of the high, high ceiling that lies ahead. But because you have this league's cup, because you have all these unique competitions as well that that come along with it. So I think we all have to be patient, but it, it's, this is still, it, it's still in diapers, uh, but it will, it'll start to reach some adolescence. And I think, uh, with Apple along the ride for 10 years, uh, it it can only go one direction. That's up. As a veteran covering the league, I mean, you mentioned, I think you hinted at different eras. What era of MLS are we in right now? How would you define it broadly? Is this 4.0 or? Yeah, I think that could be a a fourth incarnation. Uh, It's the, obviously that, I don't want to time tap, but obviously the first few years, maybe, first 10 years of the league and then maybe the next five and then the dp era perhaps with uh, david beckham was one that kind of uh kind of pushed through the expansion era where i mean we went from like 10 teams to 29 like like this and i think now we'll have less expansion and we can develop these 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 clubs and you know the big question is you have LAFC in Philadelphia. Who's going to join them there? Everyone wants to there's more investment there's more money but who's really serious about going let's go and let's read Seattle, obviously, and there's a couple others that have a lot of clout, but there's a lot of ones that uh, have not met the expectations and uh, need to show that they're really serious about it. So uh, that'll come in, in a lot of ways. But it, this next era, I think, is going to be good because with uh, obviously the maybe we're in a collective bargaining agreement, but with another one coming up and maybe the loosening of salary caps, uh, I, I, not to mention mm-hmm. um it continued to be a big destination league with the time to develop players with uh, MLS next and MLS next pro that's going to bear fruit. Cause everyone, that's what we talk about Meg. When we're on the Twitter, we talk about young Americans and they're yeah. going to all sort of come from here. So I yeah. think they'll be able to channel that. And I, I, I think there's a part of this next era where some of those Americans that went to Europe are going to say, I want to go back and I'll make good money and I want to be home. So yeah. I think there's a draw to that. It's interesting. And I definitely think, I mean, global eyes could come to MLS and will come to MLS, I think, because people are looking for those young Americans. Like I said, I've got people in Leeds messaging me about yeah. Sullivan, the younger, you know, getting, getting, trying to get an eye on who who they could be recruiting um, over to their, their project. Uh, only a few minutes left with you, Max, but quickly, how much USMNT abroad are you able to watch with, with all of your travels and MLS taking up time? Uh-huh. It's I, it's still a heavy dose. Thank goodness for these highlight packages, like these fifteen minute games, because you really get to watch a lot. So, um, you know, you get up, and the travel has actually helped me because I I'm up. You know, if I wasn't traveling or doing games, I'd probably sleep in a little on a Saturday. But now yeah. you're up, <laughs> you're yeah. up at this hour, and then you're up Sunday because you're usually flying back. So I've actually been able to watch a little bit uh, in commute or on a plane or in an Uber and. You obviously have to kind of keep Twitter's a great resource as you see people pointing out what's going on. But uh, I mean, I, I try to watch as much and it's uh, it, it's been difficult lately. It hasn't been yeah. going great for Americans abroad, by the way. So maybe you want to be avoiding it. I mean, no, there's always, you know, interesting storylines. We've got some people maybe getting promoted from the championship. Not everybody, potentially. Well, not everybody. maybe one, maybe one. 
Only one can. Yes. Only one can. Um, Probably a keeper. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that that era abroad is a little bit in flux. Do you, you know, you've been watching Americans abroad for years now, thinking about different eras. How do you define this era quickly? Because we're going to run out of time. But okay, it's just a concentrated era. I mean, it's got so uh, the numbers are up. And I think that's part of the talents better. I don't know if it's astronomically better, but the resources are better. The, the way we identify these players, the eyeballs are on us from overseas. Um, they used to come here to get a good deal, but now they're coming because of the talent. And I, we, I talked about American players. We've got to include Canadians because the guy who really changed everything was Alfonso Davies. So uh, it's no joke anymore that people go, they don't, you know, big clubs don't want to be left behind because they know when I go to Argentina or Brazil to look for talent, I got to go to the United States as well. And they know it. And you you can see it with the Barcelona Academy here and they've developed so many good players. They know it's there. So, you know, and now LAFC with this Bayern uh, relationship, New York City FC with the City Group, uh, the Red Bulls, you know, everyone wants to have a dance partner. uh, And because, um, the talent's there. It's getting better, and it's easier to find. Still needs some work all around the, the but it's still, uh, it, it's the place to be, really. Yeah, the numbers are there. Um, lot to be excited about. A few, I think we have thirty seconds left, Max. So I'm going <laughs> to rapid fire three quick questions for you. Okay. The first one is Leeds getting relegated. Yes. What's wrong with Weston McKenney? Weston McKenney, it's just not. It wasn't a good fit. Uh, he was there to play with the. Uh, with uh, Jesse Marsh, and then they made a big stink about it. So, I mean, they're getting help across the board, but they're 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 definitely a bottom three team. Matt Crocker, good choice. Yeah, I'm excited. I think the credentials are very good, and I'm excited to see what he could do. I'm glad they filled it and didn't take much more time. Last question: Jesse Marsh is he the next manager? It looks like it. It looks like it. <laughs> Although, keep that keep the uh, options open. Max, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you? Uh, M Bredos uh, on Instagram and Max Bredos Sports on Twitter and go to the Soccer OG on YouTube and check out my Soccer OG podcast. Thanks for that. Allow me to drop that, Meg.